Hello and welcome to an ex-Mormon's guide. I'm your host, Johnny Walker. In my experience, one of the first things I gravitated towards after leaving the church was coffee, but I had no clue where to start. With hundreds of options at the grocery store and a Starbucks menu I needed a seer stone and a hat to translate, I was overwhelmed. But after researching, experimenting, and a few coffee buzzes later, I'm here to return and to report how to wake up and smell the coffee. So without further ado, let's get into the guide. All right, so now we're getting into coffee. Uh, today we're going to go over what is coffee, how to make coffee, and how to order coffee. Okay, so what is coffee? Coffee is the seeds of a fruit uh, usually referred to as the coffee cherry. Now, the coffee cherry looks like a cherry. It's a small, fleshy fruit that can vary in color based on its variety, but is most likely going to be red when it is ripe. It looks like a cherry. Uh, the cherry, the fruit of the cherry, contains the caffeine. That That's how um, coffee gets its caffeine is from the, uh, the fruit which is the fruit's way of protecting itself. It's a defense mechanism. The fruit has the outer skin, what's called the mucilage or the pulp. And inside that, around the two beans in the center, is two types of skin, the parchment skin and the silver skin. And those are just to protect the seeds. So to get coffee, you have to get the seeds out of the fruit. And there are two main ways of accomplishing that. The first way is kind of the oldest way. Uh, it's called natural or dry. So with the natural method, uh, the coffee cherries are left on a raised bed out in the sun. Now think about what happens if you leave like an apple or a tomato out in the sun for like two or three weeks. We would think that it's kind of gross. It's kind of rotted. But with the coffee cherry, what happens is the enzymes and the flavor of the fruit gets imparted into the bean. So the method of extraction can affect the taste of the fruit. So with the natural or dry method, uh, they tend to be a little more bold in flavor, fruity, and maybe like a, an, a lime acidic. They also tend to have more of a full body as well. Once the beans have been dried out in the sun for a few weeks, they are put into what's called a hulling machine. It takes the mucilage and the skins off the bean. So then the other way, which is a much faster way and more common way, is called the washed or wet method. This works much faster because it takes just a couple days versus several weeks. So what happens once the cherries are are harvested, they're loaded into a hopper that drops the cherries into water and those are sent via the water into what's called a depulping machine. Um, that's going to take all the outer skin and mucilage out. And then 
they are sent to a fermentation vat and they stay there for about 36 to 72 hours. Then they are shipped and ready for roasting. And the flavors that the washed or wet method imparts are kind of what's called more clean it's going to be more of the flavor from the bean. It's going to have a more pronounced acidic taste, but they also tend to be more chocolatey, floral, tart, well-balanced, and complex in their flavor. Once you take the beans out of the fruit, they can be in a few different varieties, but the most common are Arabica and Robusta. Arabica is by far the most common in the world, especially in North America. It has a uh, much more sweeter and less acidic taste. It also tends to be slightly larger and it is a little more mellow versus the Robusta. The Robusta is less common, but it's still very popular in areas like the Middle East, Africa, and Europe. And its flavors tend to be much more bold and harsh, but it also tends to be also highly caffeinated. That's because caffeine actually has a very harsh and bitter taste. And so with the Robusta bean, with it being more caffeinated, more of that caffeine flavor is getting into the bean. So now we've got the beans. They're either Arabica or Robusta. Now I want to go back a little bit to origins because the country and altitude of origin is going to affect the taste of the bean. There are a few ways origin affects the flavor. We've got low altitude, high altitude, single origin, and blend. So starting with low altitude. Low altitude refers to the altitude of where the trees and cherries are planted and cultivated and harvested. With a lower altitude, it means much more oxygen which means the cherries ripen much faster, allowing for a faster turnaround in the harvest. So a lot of uh, mass-produced companies such as Starbucks and Folgers use low-altitude areas like Indonesia. That's a huge source because their demand is higher and you can just kind of pump out those coffee beans. The flavor does tend to be a little less complex and a little more acidic. So with higher altitude means less oxygen, which also means a slower ripening time. And because there's less oxygen, the cherries undergo what's called anaerobic respiration. And this is similar to like when we're doing like a cardio workout, you know, you're trying to get that anaerobic stuff. You want less oxygen and that anaerobic respiration leads to the creation of lactose and lactic acid and that imparts a much creamier kind of taste so places like ethiopia are going to have a lot of high altitude beans they're known for their high altitude beans so you've got all these uh, places around the world all these different altitudes at which the beans are harvested from now goes to either single origins or blend. So a single origin is fairly self-explanatory. It comes from one place, many times one specific farm and one specific harvest. So this is gonna be much more expensive 
due to the much smaller supply. Single origin is also less consistent between batches because each harvest can be affected differently by weather and other other outside factors. So when you buy single origin, you're going to have more of a unique flavor each time you grab a batch but it's also going to be more expensive so these are going to be ones that are probably upwards of twenty dollars or more a pound which is a lot for coffee most commonly though you're going to find coffee blends so that's uh, basically taking from several different origins to create a more consistent coffee a more flavorful and complex cup of coffee uh, these also tend to be cheaper since there is a higher supply you're taking from several different places. Um, most likely it's going to be two to four different origins, but they can be as high as nine and ten. So when you go to like a coffee shop and there's going to be like a, what they say, the house blend, that is their blend of different origins. There are a lot of countries that export coffee with variance in elevation and processing methods. So it's really best to try a bunch of different types, different origins, see what you like the best. Now we've got our beans, whether they're blends, single origin, high or low altitude, they now need to be roasted. This is one of the biggest confusing areas to me when I was kind of really new to coffee. What do roast levels mean? Now, roast levels are a spectrum from light to dark generally, but classifications of what's light and what's dark are not necessarily industry standard. The flavor can vary widely from origin to origin. So just because you like one bean at a medium roast, maybe you'll like another one at a, a light roast or a dark roast. So what do the roast levels mean? So starting from the top, we've got light roast. Now light roast is gonna be the least, the least roasted bean. It's gonna be like a light vanilla or like a medium caramel in color. And it's gonna be the most acidic and caffeinated because the roasting actually takes away the caffeine from the bean. This is also, you're going to get the most flavor from the origin. So if you're buying single origin beans, you probably want a lighter roast because you're going to get that flavor that you paid 20, 30 bucks a pound for more fully. Other names for the light roast, you might see some of these called light city, half city, cinnamon roast, or new England roast. Those all basically mean they're a light roast and they're going to be more acidic and more caffeinated. So now let's go down to medium roast. Medium is the absolute most common in America. Uh, it is often a balance between the acidic light and the bitter dark. So it also tends to be a little bit sweeter than other roasts. It has less caffeine and origin flavor from the light roast, but much more than the dark roasts. Um, this is my personal favorite of roast level. I think it's well balanced, which most people agree is why you could go for medium if you want a balanced cup of coffee. Some of the other names for medium roasts are also regular roast, American roast, breakfast roast, and city roast. Now there's dark roast. Now, when I first started getting coffee, I thought dark roast was the, the harsher, the more manly, the, uh, 
the stronger cup and for certain flavors it is um the acidity and origin flavor are gone and all the flavor comes from the roast but you're also going to get a more smoky more bitter more burnt taste to it so if that's what you like go for dark it's also substantially less caffeinated. So dark roasts are generally better for later on in the day. So you get less caffeine and you're not up till four in the morning. Dark roasts are also known by French roast, Italian roast, espresso roast, continental roast, New Orleans roast, and Spanish roast. So now that we know what extraction and roast level and country of origin, whether it's blend or single origin, how that affects flavor. Now that we need to know how to make coffee. The most common ratio between coffee and water is this is called the golden ratio is one to two tablespoons of coffee per six ounces of water. Now that can vary between taste and coffee makers, I tend to use three tablespoons for about four cups of water, which ends up equaling about a mug and a half of coffee for my machine. So experiment with the machines you get, kind of figure out how you like it. If you want it a little more strong, a little more weak, uh, just add more coffee if you want strong, less coffee if you want weak. So you've got your ratio. How do you make it in a drip machine? Uh, drip machines are the most common way people make coffee. These are the ones you see in all the commercials and Mr. Coffees, the ones that you set on your kitchen counter and they might have a timer. So they go off every time at the same time in the morning. They're pretty easy to use and pretty easy to clean. And the steps here can really be taken in any order. It's just as long as you're getting all the stuff in the machine. So the way I do it, I always start by putting the filter in the machine. When you're getting filters, make sure you have the right size of filter for the machine you're using. Most commonly, there's going to be like one to six cup size and then six to 12 cup size. And it depends if you're using like a small machine or a bigger one. And you can find out how big your coffee maker is um, generally on the Carif. And we'll say either like 12 cups or six cups. And it's also going to be on the box when you buy it. So you can just look at that when you buy it and buy coffee filters at the same time. Once you put your filter in, you want to put the water you're going to use in the reservoir. For a lot of machines, it's just going to be like an opening in the back or in the side. Maybe you'll have a cover. You take how much water you're going to use, put it in the back, and then you add your coffee grounds to the filter and run the machine. Uh, this is going to take, it's going to take a few minutes to brew and how it works is the water is kind of piped through, heated up and dripped on top of the uh, coffee grounds, hence the name drip machine. And it falls through the coffee grounds and into the carafe from there. Once that's done running and take the carafe, pour it in your cup, add sugar and cream or whatever you want to put in there and you've got your coffee. There is another kind of uh, drip machine, the very popular, it's called a Keurig. You may have seen these before. They're essentially machines that make a single cup of coffee and you don't have to measure your grounds because they have what are called K-cups. K-cups are little plastic cups that have a uh, little cover on the top and they have a preset amount of grounds in the cup. 
and you essentially you place the cup in the machine, close the machine, select how much water you're going to use, and it makes generally one cup of coffee. The downside to this is that unless you get a reusable and refillable K-cup, which you can, you don't really have control of the amount of grounds you use. And if you're trying to buy local, most shops don't have their own K-cups to sell. The upside of using a Keurig is that if you're the only person in your household that drinks coffee, you're going to have a lot less waste of coffee and it just makes it a little easier. It is a little quicker than a traditional drip machine. Personally, I like using a drip machine because I can vary the amount of grounds that I put in and I can make more or less. My drip machine also has a a little heating element underneath the carafe so that I can make a couple cups and I can leave the carafe on the heating element to keep the coffee nice and warm for a couple hours. One other thing to keep in mind when you're using a drip machine, whether you're using a Keurig or a standard drip, you may want to use distilled water, especially if your tap water is high in calcium because that can build up and potentially break your coffee machine. However, if you do clean it often, you're not going to really see as much buildup. There are little packs you can use to descale and clean your coffee maker. They'll essentially, you'll put in this powder into the water, run it dry, and that's gonna take care of all that uh, calcium buildup and all the impurities that are come from the tap water. You can also use filtered water, which is not as good as distilled, but filtered water works as well. So another way to make coffee, and this is where you're going to start getting into the more fancier types, is called a French press. Now, French presses aren't very expensive. You're probably going to spend about as much or maybe a little less on a French press machine rather than a regular drip machine. But the French press requires a little more work. So a French press uses, uses what's called the immersion method of brewing. Instead of the water being dripped or poured over the grounds, the grounds and the water sit together and steep, kind of like tea. Um, so you're gonna get a lot more body and flavor from a French press but it takes a little more time to brew. To start off, you're probably gonna to want to use coarser ground coffee. So if you can buy coarse ground coffee or if you're buying whole bean, uh, grind your, your coffee a little thicker. Having a kettle, especially a gooseneck kettle, is nice, but it's not necessarily, as long as you have a way to heat up water, whether you use the microwave, a pot on the stove, whatever, as long as you're heating up the water. So the first step with using a French press is just that, you're gonna heat the water. A lot of people say you wanna to try to get it around 200 degrees Fahrenheit, and that is pretty much just before boiling. Once you heat your water, you're gonna preheat your French press. A French press generally is gonna be glass, so what this does is you're gonna put like maybe a quarter cup to a half a cup of water in the French press. You're gonna to try to pour it down the sides if you can. That's gonna heat the press up so that as you brew the coffee, there's gonna be less temperature fluctuations, which affects the flavor. And, and when you preheat it, I usually just do it for about a minute, two minutes, just as long as the whole glass is kind of warm to the touch. 
And then next, you're gonna take the preheated water, you're gonna dump it in the sink, and then you're gonna add your grinds. This is probably gonna be using the same ratio as the drip machine. I tend to use maybe a little higher of a ratio here because I like a thicker, more full-bodied cup of coffee. After we add the grounds, we're gonna add the water. And when you're pouring the water, you wanna try to pour in a way that gets all the grounds covered. You wanna get them soaked. You wanna get the beans fully immersed in the water just like you're trying to baptize it. And what that's gonna do is that's gonna impart more flavor. And if you can, try to pour back and forth and agitate the grounds as much as possible. That's also gonna add better flavor. Once you add the water, you're gonna take the cover of the French press and you're gonna put it on, but you're not gonna press the plunger down yet. You're gonna leave the plunger at the top of the machine and you wanna let it sit for about four minutes. Some people say three, some people say five. I like four, it's right in the middle and it gives a good cup. Once you hit four minutes, you're gonna slowly and gently, you're gonna press the plunger down until you can't go anymore. Now, if your plunger is getting too much resistance, your grounds are too fine and you might get some of those grounds into the cup, which is never fun to be drinking a cup of coffee and you get a ground stuck in the back of your throat. However, if you're not really getting any resistance at all, you've got two cores of ground. And then once it's plunged, you're gonna pour it out into your cup, add whatever you wanna add to it, and enjoy. However, some people like cold coffee. There are two types of cold coffee that are really popular right now. There's iced coffee and cold brew, and those are very different things. I didn't realize that when I first got into coffee. Iced coffee is just coffee brewed the normal way with heat and then it's poured over ice. Now this can dilute the coffee as the ice melts. So you're gonna wanna probably brew it stronger than normal if you wanna keep the same strength. You don't have to, but it's an option. Since iced coffee is brewed hot, it's gonna have flavors that heat can only bring out of the coffee. It's also gonna taste a little bit more bitter than cold brew. So cold brew is exactly what the name suggests. It is brewed without heat. It takes a lot more time to brew because of this, but it is also more smooth and chocolatey than traditional coffee. And it is very concentrated. You're probably gonna wanna dilute the cold brew with some water and then add whatever you want to it. Because when you make a cold brew, you're generally gonna be using a one-to-one -one ratio with of coffee and water, which is a lot. If you remember, we used three tablespoons to six ounces of water for other purposes. So this is highly, highly concentrated, but it's super easy to make and very, very delicious. Um, what you're gonna do is you're gonna take your grounds and your water. You probably wanna stick with a medium to coarse ground here and you're gonna put them in an airtight container. I like to use a mason jar. Once it's in the mason jar, shake it up, let, it, uh, let all the grounds get nice and soaked and put it in your fridge for eight to 12 hours and then filter it. I like to filter it through my drip machine. So I'll put like two coffee filters in and then just kind of slowly pour out of the mason jar into the carafe. Then I'll rinse out the mason jar and make sure there's no grounds left over in the jar. Then pour from the carafe 
back into the mason jar and I store it in the fridge and it's delicious. And it's really nice on a sun, summer day and you don't want to drink a hot cup of coffee. Cold brew is the way to go or iced coffee. I make both and I like both. So now that we know how to make our own coffee, now the question is how do you order coffee? And that can be pretty scary, especially when you look at the menu and you see a lot of things that are not in English and you don't know what it means. So I'm gonna translate some of these names for you so you can kind of figure out what you wanna drink and how you wanna drink it. So the most basic thing you can order from a coffee shop is espresso. A shot of espresso is made by forcing steam through a finely ground coffee under high pressure. It is basically the foundation of pretty much every coffee drink you're gonna get from a coffee shop. Espresso is pretty much a straight coffee with nothing added to it. Um, the next one we have is a cappuccino, and I love cappuccinos. These are great. It's basically made with one part espresso, one part steamed milk, and one part frothed milk. A cappuccino is much creamier than a standard cup of coffee because it's two part milk, one part coffee. Now on to the latte. These are one of the more popular drinks in America. It's made with one part espresso and three parts steamed milk. So three quarters of the cup is going to be milk. And you're probably also gonna find a dollop of like foam or cream and a sprinkling of spice or whatever on the top of a latte. With lattes and cappuccinos, you can add different flavorings. One of the most common flavorings of latte is called the mocha. Now mocha is really simple. It is basically a latte with chocolate. Whether that uses chocolate powder or chocolate syrup, it's coffee and chocolate, which is a great combination. The coffee and the chocolate really complement each other, and I love mochas. Mochas are great. Oftentimes, you're gonna get a dollop of whipped cream on top, which is nice if you like it sweet. Now, one of the last types of drinks you're gonna find is the macchiato, which is, which is a shot of espresso with a dollop of foamed milk on the top, or you can find an Americano, which is basically just a standard cup of coffee. It's espresso diluted with water. Now, when you're ordering coffee, don't be afraid to ask questions. The baristas are there to help you, especially if you mention that you're very new to coffee and you don't know what's there. Every time I went to like Starbucks or there's a place called Big B's where I'm from, uh, and I'm like, you know, I'm pretty new. Can you help me with this? If they're not busy, they're more than happy to help. When asking for your drink, start with the size and the name of your drink, and then finish up with any extras or additives or special instructions. For example, if I wanted a large mocha with extra chocolate, I would just say that. I would say, I'd like to get a large mocha with extra chocolate syrup or chocolate powder, whatever they have. Um, sometimes they're gonna have flavor shots, especially at Starbucks. They have uh, different syrups you can add to your coffee. These are gonna be like, like hazelnut or chocolate or Irish cream. Just let them know what you want when you're ordering the drink. Oftentimes they're gonna have little stations that you can add sugar, creams, and other additives. But just know if you're buying a cappuccino, latte, or mocha, especially something with cr whipped cream on the top, it's most likely gonna be already sweetened. So try the drink first before you sweeten it. 
And and lastly, when you're ordering your drinks, don't be mean to the baristas. They're just doing their job. And I know that all of you are wonderful people and would never be mean to a service worker. Just keep that in mind, especially if you're grumpy before you got your cup of coffee. Don't be mean to the baristas. So really, just to uh, finish up, there are a few different ways you can try and experiment. And that's what I recommend is just experimenting with coffee, figuring out what you like and what you don't like. Because not everybody likes the same kind of drinks. A lot of people like black coffee, but most people don't like black coffee when they first try it. Now, I've been drinking coffee for about a year now, and I'll drink it black every once in a while, but mostly I drink it with cream and a little bit of sugar. And don't be afraid to ask people questions. There's some really great forums online of people who really love coffee and would love to give you advice. That being said, though, you don't have to take their advice. There are a lot of coffee snobs out there that say you can only have coffee in a certain way. And if you don't like it, you're wrong. They're wrong. The best cup of coffee is the one you like to make. That's it. Some other tips when it comes to coffee is one, try not to have any caffeinated drinks or coffee later than 5 p.m., Unless you're really trying to stay up really late, caffeine works in your system a lot longer than you think it does. And if you drink it later, it can really mess up your sleep schedule. Trust me, I know. Another thing to try and experiment with is buying a grinder and whole beans. Personally, that's how I do it. I find that it gives it a better flavor. It's a little more fresh and more flavorful. But experiment with what's at the grocery store. There are a lot of different flavors. Those also tend to be the cheapest kinds of coffee too. If you go to a local roastery, you're gonna find probably a better quality cup than mass produced coffee. And really in the end, enjoy coffee the way you like to drink it. Even if you don't like to drink it, don't drink it. No one's going to judge you for not drinking coffee. There are a lot of people who just don't like coffee, which was something that I didn't realize until after I left the church. That coffee, though ubiquitous, is not as ubiquitous as I thought it was. And it's okay not to like coffee, because like everything in food, taste is subjective. Now, I realize this is a little bit of information overload, so I will have sources in the description. So if you want to read the articles that I read at your own pace, that is fine too. Because in the end, the best life is the one that you choose to live in the way that you choose to live it. This has been an ex-Mormon's Guide. See you next time.